Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Work Therapy Podcast, where the struggle is real, but the possibilities are endless. I'm Brooke, your co-host and founder here at In Good Company, and we're delighted to have you. Today, I am here with an old friend, John Bauer. He was a church planner and pastor for 10 years and currently the CEO of a tech firm in Dallas. Welcome, John. Thank you, Brooke. Glad to be here. We were just talking about how um, we were like awkward to the start. And I always hate the introduction part. I'm like, if I can just get through that, then I feel we're good. Especially when it's like not other people that are there, the human interaction. But anyway, yes. We got this. Okay. But yeah, so again, we're here, everybody. This is the corner of the internet where we can explore the modern work landscape, how to navigate it and make it more meaningful. So John, I'm really happy to have you here and just talk about the topic today, which I'm just going to dive into. And I usually do a check-in question, but to be honest with all of you, John and I just chatted about a lot of other stuff before this and we ran out of time. So we did the check-in without you. We apologize. Okay. So our topic is this person is a capital projects director for college campus. So they oversee facilities and hospitality management. So this is what they said. They said, I'm working for a VP that does not believe in spending money on our client or staff. They are tight. They are only focused on the bottom line. And it shows by the way of low staff morale, uniforms that are years old and torn and facilities that are terribly dated, worn and tired looking. They said that they would like for some support, John, and like, do they need to make a career change? Is this a toxic situation that they need to get out of? Or do they just need to deal with challenging people, decision-making and being more impressionable so that those changes can be made? Their ideal shift would be that the leadership actually shifts their mindsets, or maybe there's a change in leadership altogether. They've been frustrated about this for more than a year. I'm sorry, that sucks. Mm. And yeah, they want to see what our thoughts are. Well, yeah, I don't know much about that industry or whatever, um, whatever they're specifically looking at. And of course, there's probably so much more context that would be needed. But the first thing I think about is if it's been an issue for a whole year, then this person, whoever it is, their own body, their own like past, present, and future is basically trying to tell them something. And so I, I don't know if you and I've talked about this book, but I'm a huge fan of this book called The Body Keeps the Score. So it's like if you're walking into work every day, which is work, which is why they pay you because no one would do it for free, but they're consistently frustrated um, or possibly angry. It's like their body is trying to tell them something. And most people were never you know, trained or equipped on what to do with their emotions. And so I would, I would suggest, you know, yeah, you could do some meditation or work out or drink some more or eat some gummies or whatever it is they would try to do to mitigate that <laughs> yeah. tension. But their body is literally this perfect system that's trying to tell them that there's something that should happen or something that should change, whether they need to mature and grow up or whether they need to leave and find something else. So I would encourage them to kind of dive into what's going on emotionally, process it. You know, that might be an internal process or a verbal process, but really pay attention because those emotions are saying, this is something that you need to pay attention to. And it's probably only going to get worse before it gets better. So paying attention to their emotions, like I, I think about anger, but what anger does in the right way is give people the opportunity to use their voice. 
And I don't mean like gossiping and talking crap about their boss and bringing the whole organization down, but appropriately using their voice to saying, you know, I don't like this, or can we consider changing it? So those are just like the initial kind of flood of thoughts that are going is it's less about this VP and more about this person and their own maturation, their own growth. Um, yeah, so that's, I could keep on going, but just briefly, that's my initial gut reaction. I love that because I, you just went straight to it. I, I was thinking when you were sharing, like, what's that like first step? If it is, I agree with you. I, I do love that book. You know, the body does keep the sword is always telling us something. We're really good at overriding it. <laughs> All of us. <laughs> and what's like a good first question they could ask themselves to identify. And if you can't think of one off the bat, I can definitely offer one. Um, but like, what's a good question they could ask themselves to start to understand what their body may be telling them? I, I would say two things. The first one is, you know, to this person, how do they process? Like, are they introverted? Do they need to journal and actually put their phone away and sit in silence and let the, their own fear, anger, angst come up? Or are they a verbal processor? Like so often in my role as a pastor, um, I would just be there to ask questions so that they could actually figure out what the issue was. And so that's the second question that I would ask, you know, A, figure out how you process so you can actually get to the root of what you need to do and how you need to respond. But then second, I ask it all the time, well, what is the issue? You know, what is the actual specific issue? Because in, even in the little intro you read, it was really, really broad and that's overwhelming. But if you can start to narrow it down and say, okay, this is the specific issue that I'm dealing with. This is why I'm angry, et cetera. That's helpful. But in that, you know, Brooke, I know your parents pretty well from back in the day, and I know they're not perfect, um, but not a lot of us grew up in a way where we were actually taught, this is how you unpack and how you deal with your emotions and how you deal with conflict. And so I think, you know, overlaying a framework, after you ask that question, you're like, okay, great. Now what? And so that's part of what I've spent years doing. So if, if I'm an expert in anything, it's pain and conflict. <laughs> um, hey, we, we need a lot yeah. of experts in that though. So it's good. But anyway, so I was like, you know, how do you process? And then this person, whether it's internally or with another, try to unpack with a framework of what is the issue. Yep. You know, I always like, I think sometimes when we do sit down, what I'll offer is we get so serious and intense when we ask ourselves that questions. And sometimes we just need to like look around. One thing my coach taught me, Suzanne is uh, a mentor was if I'm like, I don't know, she would say, if you did know, what would you know? And I've actually found that question incredibly helpful. I use it even with my nine-year-old, I use it with my clients. He'd be like, I don't know. I'm like, okay. If you did know, what would you know? And a lot of times when we're needing to like do that work of self-reflection, I find adding in that light airiness, like some lightheartedness, right? To that question, like in curiosity can allow those answers to come to us a little bit more effortlessly. Yeah. I think you're more positive than I am because I'm like really dark <laughs> and I'm okay. like... I'm like, let's go to the darkness. Let's, let's. But it could be dark um, still. Mm -hmm. You can get to the darkness. Yeah. Maybe you don't agree. 
<laughs> no, no, I, I've learned a little bit better, but uh, so I, I, that's actually a great way of saying it. If you did know, what, what would you know? The question I tend to ask, you know, say, Hey, what's the issue that's really driving you? And then people usually go, um, well, I just feel like this person doesn't care about people and we have a different sense of values. And I'm like, that, that's not a feeling. That's actually a thought. A feeling is a one word answer. I feel confused. I feel sad. I feel angry. And so my 10 year old, um, we're talking about his baseball team. Um, and he goes, he goes, you know, dad, I feel like, and he goes, wait, I think that I did well today and I feel really good about it. And so I think being able to, to delineate between what you think and what you feel is really, really critical. By the way, that's about the only good parenting moment. Oh, it's like, good job. <laughs> you got to celebrate those wins. So that's where I focus is like, well, tell me what you think about it. And that's when people can really just say everything they think and they really can unleash. And I'm, then I respond and say, well, how does that make you feel? And then that emotion starts to determine, okay, this, it helps you clarify what the issue is. It's, it might be a sadness thing. It might be an anxiety deal. It might be an anger thing. And those emotions, you know, there's ways to deal with them appropriately. So I like that though, what you said, if you did know, what would you know? I'm actually going to try that out. Yeah. Try it on. So anyway, that's what, I, that's what I think is that giving people a framework where they in space to articulate and understand the difference between their thoughts and then their feelings helps clarify how to address a situation like this. Yeah. And I also, even with like the thoughts piece, we act and have certain emotions about things because we have assumptions that we don't realize because they're kind of hidden beneath the layers of fear or frustration. And the assumption is in a sense, it's like what you think about. Like, so for example, I have this, um, I have an, uh, like something I do that's hard for me to do is to pause and like truly rest. And what I realize is I, I'm not good at doing that because my assumption is that, that I do rest. I'm cutting myself off to possibility, meaning like I have to continue to work to get what I need. And it took me a minute to get there. But once I saw that that assumption was there, I was like, okay, this assumption isn't a hundred percent accurate. Like it's not. And so just kind of understanding those layers is I think really helpful. And I think the key thing we're talking about here, you kind of went right there. I mean, we are typically, here's the issue. It's, it's all the surfacey part, right? And sometimes those things really do need to shift, but I think it's hard to really understand and know the approach before you ask yourself those questions. Mm. The assumptions, like if I, I agree with that and this VP, and this is what's so hard about work and what I would say is intimacy, because very few people have the ability to articulate the truth because the truth is really uncomfortable. People don't act stupid for no reason. It's like, there's a reason this person is doing what they're doing. And that actually can give you, to use a Christian phrase, grace for them. Mm -hmm. It can help you think the best about them and, and maybe go, man, they've been living in a personal hell because of a physical ailment or their mother has been dying or, you know, something like that. And so people don't act stupid for no reason. There's a reason why we avoid, there's a reason why we just bury it all down until it explodes out is because it seems like it would be easier to just avoid it than to face it head on. 
I was actually, while you're saying that thing about assumptions, I was thinking about this children's book, which I highly recommend called There's No Such Thing as a Dragon. It is the most brilliant metaphor for something like this. There's no such thing as a dragon. It's a kid's book, but it's about this kid uh, and his mom. And one day this dragon appears. It's as big as a house cat. And he's like, mom, there's a dragon. And she keeps on going, there's no such thing as dragons. And the dragon grows and grows and grows until it picks up the house and runs off with it. And at the very end of it, basically, I'll give away the end, but the the son um, is with the mom on top of the dragon, three blocks down, and the dad comes home. And he's like, what happened? And he goes, it's the dragon. And his mom goes, there's no such thing as dragons. And Billy finally gets mad. He goes, there is a dragon. And that's what happened. And she goes, oh. And all of a sudden, the dragon shrinks down into a, a cat-sized dragon again. And she goes, I don't mind dragons that are this big, in essence. And so I mm. think that assumption is like when you're assuming something about someone, it can become this massive dragon to where you are a year into an issue that you haven't faced because you've assumed the worst about so yourself, about the company, or about the other person, and you haven't been willing to speak the truth and say, hey, there's an issue here. Because that issue will grow. And to this person, I'd say, I'd, le- I'd be less worried about your VP and more worried about yourself. What is this thing that is now becoming this great big dragon that you're having to fight every day because you haven't been able to face it? And I'm not faulting them. I'm guilty of it so many times until it becomes this huge thing that you, it's so overwhelming emotionally that all you do want to do is check out however you do it. And so, yeah, it's, it's not easy. And not many of us have been taught how to face those dragons. I need to read that book. It's a kid's book. It's brilliant. I love kids' books. Sometimes they're the best teachers. And some of them are terrible. But anyway, this is great. (laughs) And I don't mean like morally. I mean, they're just so bad. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like the Bernstein Bears. Anyway. Oh, I love the Bernstein Bears. (laughs) When I was a kid. I don't even know. We I haven't I haven't passed those on to my children. I like that we got there really quick. And I think we've given everyone a lot to chew on. And I mean, my takeaway is, you know, I love that you're like, I'm going to use your framework. And I'm like, I'm going to use your framework of, you know, okay, what do you think? And what do you feel? I think it's just a really great way to help support someone articulating kind of in a, like, again, we're talking here, like, what's the root issue, right? What do we need to address within ourselves and understand? And if you got, if everybody can take away one thing, it's, I think what we talked about today is just addressing yourself before you address the the big dragon the only other thing i would add to this you know being able to articulate what you think and what you feel you'd mentioned this earlier i think is starting to articulate what would you need like what does this person need as a human in the context of work um it could be attention it could be something like support like they need someone to come alongside them and um and just help them push this load forward. It could be just encouragement. Um, and it's like, what would I need from this VP or what do I need from a work environment? And I'm not thinking about values. I'm thinking about an interpersonal relationship. And so once you've been able to articulate what you think and what you feel, you articulate, okay, I need this. And that might indicate to this person, I need to get out of here. I need to be honored. And they don't really honor anyone. You know, They just kind of come in and there's no eye contact and do your work. But I think the most helpful thing after you've articulated what you think, what you feel, what you need, 
is actually giving a solution to say, man, this is what I propose that I do in this situation. I actually propose that I need to speak to my VP or I need to stop talking crap behind their back or whatever it is. Or I propose that they need to change this. Like this person could be bringing the solution that makes this company become dynamic once again, or becomes, it's in hospitality, right? It becomes actually hospitable to mm-hmm. both their you know employees and their staff. But like having a well-defined, like this is what I propose. And the final thing is you basically ask, where do I stand on this issue? So if this person like unpacks, like, man, this is what I think, this is what I feel, this is what I need from like a a work environment. This is what I propose. And this person might say, look, I need to talk to the appropriate supervisor. And if they don't do anything about it, then I'm out. Like, I'm going to go get my resume together. I'm going to start applying and networking. But if they're willing to work with me on this and willing to, you know, bring some change to the environment, I can stay. Oh, and by the way, give me a 20% raise. But <laughs> I, a good I think one to that throw idea in of saying, I'm always asking for that. So it's like, hey, what's the issue? What do I think about it? What do I feel? What do I need? What do I propose? And then where do I stand? And I think that helps make that dragon go from something that can completely d- destroy your household to something that you can manage and deal with. And so I think that framework is so helpful so that this person could know just some something to do, something really, really tangible, whether they're internally processing this as an introvert or they're actually like you and I, I think, that would more like to verbally process the issue and be like, ah, this is what it is. If I did know, this is what I would know about it. I'm glad that you went into more depth because I do think that was needed and we don't want to leave anybody incomplete. So... We hope this has been helpful. It's actually been helpful for me. I'm really thankful. I always learn from these conversations. So John, you did. I always ask for a book or podcast. You actually already gave us a book, naturally. (laughs) We do have a playlist too, a work therapy playlist. Is there a song that's been keeping you going that we can add to it? Oh man, a song. I'm such a child of the 90s. Great. Give us a 90s song. Um. I got, what is it? I got id. I got ID by Pearl Jam. I, it's, it's, I, I think it's like a B side track, but I got id or ID. I don't know. It was supposed to be, I got shit. Um, but, um, the, the record label made it say I got id, but it's so good. And it's really deep and emotional and brooding just like me. So it's really good in my opinion. Brilliant. I'm going to add that. Um, amazing. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll have to have you back. And everybody out there, we hope that you have found wisdom, renewal, and inspiration you were looking for. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Your feedback helps other people get the therapy they need. And we'd love to hear from you. So make sure that you share your work stories, questions, and needs as John was just sharing with us. And we've got in our survey, it's in our show notes, in the podcast episode. And we're looking forward to being with you next week. 